This morning, our passage of Scripture that we'll be looking at for our sermon is Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 36. Luke 6, 27 through 36. Now, kids, I want to ask you if you remember last week when we talked about justice, what did I say that justice is? Remember? I talked about it desiring what is fair. Remember that when I was a little boy, I was concerned about fairness. I wanted to make sure that I got what I was supposed to get, except when I did something bad. I didn't want to get what I was supposed to get when I did something bad. You see, I didn't want what was fair. When I did something bad, what was fair is that I would be punished in some way, right? But instead, when I did something bad, I wanted mercy, I wanted my parents or teachers or whoever was disciplining me to have compassion on me, to show me mercy. I wanted them to forgive me and not give me what I deserved, the punishment, but instead to show me what I didn't deserve, kindness, compassion. Today, what we're going to look at is we're going to see what Jesus has to say about mercy. So as you, th- as you listen today and you think about mercy, think about how when you have done something bad and you know that a punishment is coming, you desire not the punishment, but you desire mercy. You don't desire justice. You don't desire what's fair. You desire mercy. Now, Adults, you'll probably get this more than the kids, but as a child of the 80s, one of my favorite movies is The Karate Kid. Karate Kid is getting a revival these days with the show Cobra Kai. And Cobra Kai was the dojo that Sensei Chris ran, where Johnny and his friends were trained. Sensei Chris, when addressing his students, explains the philosophy of the dojo. And he says this to those in the dojo. We do not train to be merciful here. Mercy is for the weak. Here in the streets, in competition, a man confronts you. He is the enemy. An enemy deserves no mercy. Then in one of the most famous scenes in music history, that might be overstating it a bit, but it is a very famous scene. Johnny and Daniel are in the championship fight, and Daniel is fighting on an injured leg, and Sensei Kreese pulls Johnny aside and says, sweep the leg. And Johnny looks at him with these eyes of terror, and his sensei says to him, no, mercy. Now, in a recent commercial, QuickBooks has used this revival of Cobra Kai 
by having Sensei Kreese now be the owner of Kualakai Dojo. And now instead of no mercy, Sensei desires more mercy. You know, we live in a world that wants more mercy, but can't seem to get away from no mercy. The world that Jesus lived in was a brutal one. The, the pagans, they lived by the motto, you wrong me, I wrong you tenfold. The Jews and some other cultures lived by a more civil standard, the law of retaliation, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus steps into the culture and says something radical. Jesus says, I desire more mercy. So let's read Luke 6, 27 through 36. This is Jesus speaking. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is it to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good. And lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You are indeed merciful. And Lord, I think I can speak for many, I know I can speak for myself, that we often take that mercy for granted. Lord, we desire mercy. We desire more mercy, and yet... We, like Sensei Kreese, live often live a life of no mercy. Lord, we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, help us to be those who are merciful as you, our Heavenly Father, are merciful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we continue in our series, Shalom in the Home and Everywhere Else. And last week we looked at the Shalom of Justice. We looked at Psalm 72, verses 1 through 4, and we asked the question, do we desire the king without the kingdom? Do we desire the king who is on our side without the kingdom, without seeking the kingdom, without seeking to serve the king 
as he desires to be served in his kingdom. And we saw that our just king calls us to pursue a just kingdom. We looked at the qualities of our just king and how those lead to us seeking a just kingdom. This morning we continue in our exploration of the moral themes of shalom by coming to mercy. Now, as I said, as a child, I wanted mercy when I deserved punishment, but I'll be honest, I still want mercy. That hasn't changed. And I might even show mercy to others when I know they'll show me mercy. And yet the words of Jesus this morning say, don't congratulate yourself too quickly there, John. Don't congratulate yourself that you'll show mercy to those who you will receive mercy from. What if we show mercy to those who we know won't, we won't get it in return? You know, I think in our passage today, Jesus kind of points out something that is true of, I think, all of us, is that we want to show mercy on our terms, right? We want to show mercy on our terms. We like the idea of mercy. We want to receive mercy, but we want to show mercy on our terms. And quite frankly, we want to receive mercy on our terms as well, right? We want mercy all the time. And this morning, what we'll see is that because our Heavenly Father is merciful, we are to show mercy, right? The last comment of Jesus here in our passage, be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Because your Heavenly Father is merciful, we are to show mercy. We first look at the model of our mercy because our Heavenly Father is merciful, right? Jesus is making a claim about His and our Heavenly Father that helps us to understand how we are to show mercy. One of the most essential qualities of God is that He is merciful. We read in our Old Testament reading today, right, when the Lord appears to Moses on Mount Sinai and passes by Him, the Lord, the Lord, merciful, right? He is a God who one of His main characteristics, one of his main qualities is a merciful God. And mercy is that quality that God has by which he faithfully keeps his promises and maintains his covenant relationship with his chosen people despite their unworthiness and unfaithfulness. Right? God's mercy is what allows him to continually forgive, to continually come back to His people even as they have continually been unfaithful, as they are continually unworthy. And at the heart of the concept of mercy is the love of God. The word that is translated in the Old Testament as mercy is often also translated as loving kindness or His steadfast love. And this loving kindness, this mercy is freely manifested in his gracious saving acts on behalf of those whom he has pledged himself in covenant 
relationship. God has freely extended His mercy to us, not because of worthiness or faithfulness. And so, this is who God is. This is part of His very character. This is part of His essential qualities of showing mercy. And we are to respond by showing mercy to others, even those who don't deserve it or seek it, especially we see in the Old Testament and in the New Testament to the poor, the needy, the widows, and the orphans. We are to show mercy. Mercy and compassion come together often in the idea of God's qualities, God's character. Mercy and compassion denote care and concern and an empathetic feeling towards other, another person. Mercy and compassion are most perfectly demonstrated and characterized by God's own merciful and loving care for His people. That is ultimately manifested in the gift of mercy through Jesus Christ. You see, this is the model for mercy. This is who God is. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. And what's interesting is that while all of this is true that I that we looked at here about how the Old Testament and New Testament looks at God the Father in terms of His mercy. Look what Jesus says in verse 35. Right? For He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. You know, Jesus is pointing out to His disciples and to us that not only is God merciful to His people, God is merciful to the ungrateful, to the evil. He shows mercy to those who are His enemies. And what is the New Testament tell us about ourselves, right? Paul over and over again reminds us that we were enemies of God, right? And the assurance of forgiveness that we read today from Ephesians chapter 2, we have that beautiful, but God being rich in mercy. What is that? Why is that there? What is, what is Paul getting at? He's Reminding us, he's reminding us before that of who we were, right? You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We were enemies of God. We were enemies of one another. And then Paul says, but God, being rich in mercy. You see, we deserved the full 
judgment and justice of God. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Came in the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, Jesus Christ. And displayed that mercy. Saved us by his grace. And so Jesus here is reminding us, reminding his disciples and us of the mercy that God the Father shows, the mercy that God the Father has, the mercy that all those who profess faith in Jesus Christ, who follow him, have received in Christ. And Jesus says, for those who have received mercy, for those who, have, who are called children of God, you are to show mercy. This biblical concept of mercy is rich and somewhat complicated. There are several Hebrew and Greek words that help us to comprehend the concept. And we use many synonyms in translation to express the dimensions of the meaning involved in mercy. We translate as kindness, loving kindness, goodness, grace, favor, pity, compassion, and steadfast love. All of those words, all those concepts, all those ideas, all those feelings, all of those aspects of one's character are what mercy is. And this mercy is to be shown, Jesus says, in a particular way, he calls us to here. And this particular way is he's saying to show mercy by loving your enemies. Right? This Word love, as we've talked about before, is agape, this Christ-like love, this love that lays down yourself for the other. I will love this person because by God's grace I choose to love this person. Right? This command to love our enemies strikes us as almost unfathomable. The command to love our enemies is a call to unnatural love. The command to love our enemies is a call to unnatural deeds, to unnatural words, to unnatural prayer. It's a command for supernatural love. Right? This Jesus calls us to love our enemies with unnatural deeds, right? He says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. How many of us, out of our natural desire, do good to those who hate you? 
How many of us out of our natural desire bless those who curse us? How many of us out of our natural desires pray for those who abuse you? This is unnatural. This is supernatural that Jesus is calling us to. And so it's not something that we can just say, all right, I'm just going to kind of buck up. I'm just going to pull my bootstraps up here and I'm going to love my enemies. I mean, think about, I know it's kind of maybe funny, but there are people, I think, in our lives that we may not say necessarily that they're our enemies, but if we were honest, we might say it feels at times like they're our enemies. Right? Our arch nemesis. Sometimes people joke about that. Maybe it's somebody at work or somebody in your neighborhood or somebody in a community organization. And you feel like all they are, their whole life is about getting you. And Jesus is saying, do good to them. Bless them. Pray for them. Now, I want to just quickly make an aside here because sometimes we, we read this and, we, and while it is an incredibly, an incredibly difficult ethic for us to live by, and if we were to live by it, it would indeed change us and others. But sometimes we might look at this and say, okay, well, you know, does it mean that I don't protect myself? Does it mean that I just don't have any possessions that I would keep? Right? Jesus talks about you know, turning the other cheek by giving your, your cloak and your tunic, by giving away to everyone who begs from you. I think every, every commentary commentator on this passage that I read said, you know, we have to take Jesus' words here in light of the entire Scripture. We have to take it in light of the law. We have to take it in light of the apostles' teaching. Right? Jesus isn't abrogating the law of personal property. He's not abrogating the law that that there are times when people should be punished for what they have done. But he is saying something radical here. Right? He is saying that our life should display radical mercy. That we should not Seek an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. 
Defending yourself? Fine, yes. But we don't seek retaliation. We don't seek revenge. We are to seek mercy. Many of the commentators, while Jesus may have been using a a physical example and may have certainly meant that someone strikes you, you kind of say, all right, strike me again. But many commentators believe in the way that Jesus is using kind of rhetorical form here is talking about in terms of how someone might verbally speak, that someone who might verbally look to, to say something that is demeaning or wrong, and because of the mercy that you have received, because of the identity that you have in Christ, we're able to not seek retaliation. We are to be those who do freely give. We are to be those who see a need, and if we have the capacity to meet it, we are to freely give. We are to seek to do to others as we would want done to us, right? The golden rule that many refer to, that Jesus here, as you, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Right? He gives us this, these examples of what it would look like, what it looks like for us to seek unnatural responses to show mercy. Mercy is compassion in action, right? Jesus is saying that those who have received mercy show mercy. You show it. You do it. It's an action more than a feeling. Mercy is forgiving. It is forgiving those who have wronged you, even though they don't deserve it, as you have been forgiven so also forgive. Showing mercy, Jesus is pointing out, is evidence that we understand the mercy that we have received. Right? He reminds us, he's like, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Right? If you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is it for you? Right? Jesus is reminding us that it is easy, it is actually normal for us to show mercy, to show love to those who we know we will receive it from. Right? He says, even sinners, even those who are outside of God's kingdom do that. He's calling us to a greater kingdom ethic. 
to show mercy as a way to bring shalom, or that showing mercy brings shalom. I found this story that I thought helped really illustrate what Jesus is getting at here. It's a little bit lengthy, so hang with me, but I hope it will be helpful. After the collapse of the Berlin Wall in 1989, no person in all of East Germany was more despised than the former communist dictator, Erich Honecker, which you can imagine. He had been stripped of all of his offices. Even the Communist Party rejected him. He was kicked out of his villa. The new government refused him and his wife a new housing. The Honeckers were homeless and destitute. And you can imagine that those in East Berlin believed that they deserved that, right? They've, they're getting what they deserve. They're receiving justice. This is just. They're homeless and destitute. But there was a pastor, Uwe Holmler, director of a Christian help center north of Berlin. And when this pastor heard of the Honecker's straits, of their predicament, he had compassion on them. He felt it would be wrong, though, to give them a room meant for even needier people. So Pastor Holmner and his family decided to take the former director into their own home. And what makes this even greater is that Eric Honecker's wife, Margot, had ruled the East German educational system for 26 years. And eight of Pastor Holmner's ten children had been turned down for higher education due to Margot's policies, which discriminated against Christians. The Holmners took not just a political enemy, but also a family that had denied their children the opportunity for education. This is unnatural, unconventional. Mine might say it's supernatural, so Christ-like. And by the grace of God, the Homers loved their enemies. Right? They, they did what Jesus is calling us to do. Right? Do good to those who hate you. They did good. They blessed them. Didn't just offer them a place, but offered them their home. They prayed for them. They turned the other cheek. They didn't seek revenge for what had been done to them. They gave away their own home. They did what they would wish others to do to them.
love for God and others has a proper reward, right? Jesus speaks of reward, and sometimes we get kind of like squirmy when we think of reward, right? Wait, I, I get rewarded if I live like this? I thought that this was just, my reward was that Jesus has loved me and saved me and that I live in such a way that he calls me to. You see, the reward that Jesus speaks of here is not a payment. It's not something that we have, it's not a monetary reward. It's not a reward that, like a trophy or something like that. The reward, Jesus says, is God himself. Right? He says that, and your reward will be great. You will be sons of the Most High. Right? God himself is our reward. When we do good to our enemies, we are being like Christ, the one who loved his enemies to the very end on the cross. When we bless those who curse us, we are being like Christ, right? Who asked his heavenly Father to forgive them for they know not what they do. When we pray for those who abuse us, we are like Christ who prayed for us in the garden, who prayed for all those who were his enemies that he came to save. And that likeness is our reward. God himself being our reward. Us knowing and experiencing what it is to be like Christ. As I said, no one can love his or her enemy out of sheer willpower. It's impossible. We cannot do it. But praise God that through Jesus Christ we become partakers in his divine nature as Peter tells us in 2 Peter 1.4. This does not mean that we become God, but that he, his divine nature is at work within us. Christ's love that reached out to his enemies has come to us who were once enemies. His love for sinners who we were is ours in him. And so as we look at Jesus' teaching around mercy, around being merciful as our Heavenly Father is merciful, around what it means for us to seek justice, as we look at these moral implications that bring shalom, the key to Christ's teaching, to living out this ethic, is Christ in us. The hope, glory. It is Christ in us. The Spirit of God at work that we can have the ability 
to be merciful as our Heavenly Father is merciful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the mercy that you have shown us in Christ. And Lord, we pray that Lord, we'd be those who seek mercy. Lord, that we would seek more mercy. That we'd seek mercy more and more. Lord, help us by the power of your Spirit at work in us to be those who are merciful, even as you are merciful towards us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.